Epicor is the essential partner to the world's most essential businesses, offering ERP solutions built for growth and operational success. Explore the industry productivity solutions we curate for the automotive, building supply, distribution, manufacturing, and retail industries by visiting epicor.com slash essential. That's epicor.com slash essential. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. If you're a small business owner who's looking to do business with large corporations, this episode is for you. It features a replay from Montgomery Community Media's Small Business Network, where I interviewed supplier diversity leaders from AstraZeneca, Marriott, and HZ. We chat about how to connect with large corporations, the importance of those connections, proper follow-up, and a lot more. The parts of Boost that this episode highlights is optimize relationships and tap into new markets. Shout out to the team at Montgomery Community Media for allowing us to repurpose this conversation. Let's tune in. So let's start off with introductions. First up, Anna Hakobayan. Anna is the government compliance and supplier diversity lead in AstraZeneca. A small business development and innovation champion, Anna launched the award-winning supplier diversity program for AstraZeneca. Welcome, Anna. Thank you. Casey Oaks is director of supplier diversity for Marriott International. Prior to joining Marriott, Casey served as vice president of corporate relations for the national LGBT Chamber of Commerce and as a constituent advocate for U.S. Senator Frank R. Lautenberg. And then finally up is Karen Zuckerman. Karen leads the creative and corporate vision of HZ, the award-winning agency that she launched 32 years ago. Today, HZ is one of the largest creative agencies in the country. In addition to HZ, Karen is the CEO of Dormify.com, which is an online content and commerce brand that she launched with her daughter, which is really cool and coincidental because today is Take Your Child to Work Day. So many moons ago, you took your child to work, and now you're working together. So that's awesome. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. My pleasure. First up. Anna and Casey, share with us why your company has a commitment to work with diverse women-owned companies. Um, hi, Kelly. Hi. First of all, um, typically I don't ask a question to a question. I don't answer with a question. But in this case, why not? Oh. It just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, small, diverse businesses are bringing diversity of thought, driving efficiencies, simplification, innovative thinking. They bring value to our organization. Um, having a diverse supplier base also is part of our sustainability agenda. It's a win for local communities. It really helps the local employment. And it results in uh, reduced pollution, reduced transportation. So in essence, there shall be no justification for you know, diversity. It's simply the right thing to do. Wow. Yeah, and you never really think about the, um, the green piece of it. 
you know, the right. fact that you said, you know, the whole carbon footprint and things like that, especially, you know, when you're thinking about local supplier diversity. Absolutely. We don't think about that, but if you really go deep and think what happens, just having with local, you know, businesses uh, engagement, it really um, affects our sustainability agenda. It's really good for environment, for local communities where we live and operate. Awesome. What about Marriott, Casey? Well, Marriott's been on this journey for a long time. We launched our formal supplier diversity program 23 years ago, so today it really is just a part of the culture at our company. Um, but supplier diversity as a concept, as an industry, has really evolved over time. And I would say today uh, we do this because it's a business imperative for our company. What we've found is when you reduce bias and increase access to opportunity in your supply chain, uh, we reduce costs and increase innovation. And so for us, uh, it's something that our customers are requesting, uh, and it's something that we found that we, our supply chain, our workforce should reflect the customers that stay in our hotel every single day. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, a question that I'll throw out to all of you is trends. Like, what types of trends do you currently see relating to the impact of diverse women-owned businesses, and what do you anticipate for the future? Um, so would you all like to start? And then, Karen, let's throw you into this mix. Um, what I see, if we really compare how the women-owned businesses, diverse businesses, were years ago. So if you look into some of the statistics, with 1972, we had about 400,000 women-owned businesses. Now we're looking into 11, like 9 million wow. you know, women-owned women businesses. If you even compare with the last decade, the number of women-owned businesses uh, more than doubled. Mm. So that shows that how uh, influential the women-owned businesses are becoming nowadays, how much more empowered they're feeling and active they become. So I see the trend really uh, is going high. Uh, we're going to see a lot more women-owned businesses and hopefully with a lot more revenues. Even in a workforce, you look into the companies, many companies are already more open to having uh, women uh, in a higher leadership position. AstraZeneca, we increased uh, the number of women in higher leadership position oh, in nice. 2018. Um, yeah. Wow, so you guys are talking the talk and then walking it out talking, as well. So yeah, awesome. and we see the results as well. So if we look into what's happening within organizations, uh, we see what's happening in the industry with women-owned businesses. These are all the results that are you know, coming from all those efforts. Mm -hmm. Now, what about you, Casey? What trends are you seeing? Uh, I'm seeing a lot of growth and collaboration uh, in the space, which is really great. I think there's a, a, particularly in the women business enterprise community, there's a really, uh, there is a sense of community that is really great to see. Uh, and you see companies uh, in similar commodity areas who could be competing, uh, really joining forces to compete for larger contracts uh, with companies like Marriott, AstraZeneca, uh, which is really fantastic. Okay. Now, and Karen, you come from a different side because you were a woman-owned business, but then yes. you either were you acquired or you acquired mm -hmm. A larger another company. So tell us about your journey. So I've we've been a woman-owned um, business for 32 years, and we employ over 60. I think it's a little more than 60 percent of our staff are, are women, and even and about that same in leadership roles. Mm. So it's a trend now, but we've been having that trend for a very long time, which I'm really proud of. Um, in August, we were acquired. Um, by one of the largest um, holding companies in the world. Um, so we can no longer be a woman-owned business, but we're still woman-run. Um, so I'm still running the company and really excited about it. 
and part of our journey is being part of this group um, and being a woman um, enterprise business and um, having a lot of opportunities with very large companies. Mm. Um, and it, it's been part of how we got to where we are. Wow, okay. Now, Anna, let's go back to you because I know recently, actually last year, AstraZeneca was recognized for high, having the highest spend with women-owned businesses in this region, as well as in Pennsylvania, I think Delaware, as well as New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Tell us how the company achieved those types of results. Uh, really great question, Kelly. Thank you. Uh, last year, we had a really successful year when it comes to doing uh, uh, engaging diverse businesses and women-owned businesses. And um, I'm really proud to have such good span in our areas, especially being uh, living in this area. I'm proud to see that my organization is supporting our local women-owned businesses. Uh, but it, there are so many factors that come into play. First of all, uh, the diversity is in the culture of our organization. It's in our DNA. And supply diversity is... Um, is an important is an important part in our agenda. So, what affects is senior leadership engagement and support. Very important. Mm -hmm. Second, we have really good infrastructure in our organization. We have systems, tools uh, that support and enable us to uh, include small and diverse businesses in our business planning sessions, in our procurement processes. We have dedicated team of procurement personnel. We have dedicated business stakeholders uh, that see the value of doing business with women-owned businesses. And, and actually, in their projects, in their initiatives, uh, their mindset is such that they're always thinking, where are the opportunities to engage uh, and include diverse and women-owned businesses? And with that, it doesn't mean there are always opportunities. We're a global company. Mm -hmm. you know, we have challenges as well to find women-owned businesses globally. Um, but where there are opportunities, we're trying uh, every effort so that we can have that included. And also... Um, at the end of the day, we as leaders are influencing the organization to be open and to partner and engage the diversity businesses. That's very important. It's a constant uh, influencing. It's the organization culture, to summarize. It's the overall collective effort of our business stakeholders, of our procurement personnel. Um, it's an ongoing effort, and I'm very glad to see such results. Hopefully this year and many other years we'll have even higher numbers and higher spend with our women-owned businesses. And I want to thank you also the uh, councils, the WeBank councils, the WPO here, the WeBank in Pennsylvania yes. region, through our external outreach. They constantly uh, also support us. We're introducing with uh, successful women-owned businesses that at the end of the day results um, in having a greater engagement and greater spend. So thank you, Sandra. I know she's here with us yes, today. she is here today. So awesome, <laughs> awesome. Now, and so I have a, a question for Karen, but because you threw out the alphabet soup, WeBank, WPEO, Casey, yeah. can you break that down? Like, what is, what are all those? For people that maybe are hearing those acronyms for the first time, what is WeBank, WPEO, all these other? Sure. So people who sit in kind of our seats uh, rely on these non-governmental organizations like WeBank, which is the Women's Business Enterprise National Council, uh, and WPEO, which is the local uh, affiliate of WeBank, to connect us with qualified, certified women-owned businesses. 
uh, when a company like Marriott International or AstraZeneca announces that we spend over $400 million with women-owned businesses, we rely on a certification from the NGOs uh, to validate that, to say that these businesses are bona fide women-owned businesses. Um, and so these networks provide that certification. Uh, they also provide for us opportunities to, con to connect with women-owned businesses at uh, local roundtables, at national conferences. And so uh, the alphabet soup, if there's ever an acronym, you can Google it. But WeBank is the national, uh, really, tour de force uh, organization for women-owned businesses and one that uh, I'm proud to sit on the board of and one we rely on very heavily. Awesome. Yeah. Now, and Karen, your your company when you started it, you came up through WeBank, correct? Yes. Or it, somewhere like midway through, we we joined and we went through the whole process of being vetted. And I actually thought it was funny because they come in and they actually they interview you, and to make sure that you're a woman-owned business. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, here I am. Living proof. So yeah. So it, it was a great organization to be a part of. Wow. Okay, so now your organization benefited from that. Do you ever um, partner or team with other diverse women-owned businesses in this larger role that you're now serving? Yeah, so, so this is new. It's just been since August. But prior to that, we have a lot of contracts that we go after that we need even smaller businesses than us mm -hmm. because we're still about 175 people, so we're not small. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you're either looking for a smaller um, woman-owned business or uh, you know another diverse business mm -hmm. that we need to partner with as part of a bigger contract. So we do that often, and we're looking for companies that have the same values as us, you know, culture, hardworking, organized, you know, driven, not, of, not afraid of fast pace. Mm -hmm. um, so we do, we do look all the time. Okay. Now, and along those lines, Casey, at Marriott, what capabilities do you all typically look for when you're engaging small, diverse businesses? Uh, so I would say small and diverse are two separate things. Yeah, sometimes, Yeah, sometimes uh, diverse businesses are small. Sometimes they're multi-billion dollar companies. Right. Um, we're really looking for companies that understand our company's values and our direction. Uh, we are known, I think, now as the, the largest hotel company, but that's not our mission. That's not what we, we strive to be. We're on a journey to become the world's favorite travel company, uh, and diverse-owned companies that understand that can help us achieve that goal or what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so we're on a growth strategy. We open a, a new hotel every single day. We just hit 7,000, uh, which is really exciting. And so uh, companies that can grow with us is something we're looking for. And then uh, I'd also say we're looking for companies that uh, have sustainability ingrained in their country or their culture mm -hmm. uh, and their offerings as well. Uh, we have a very robust set of goals uh, as a part of our Serve 360 initiative uh, to be a sustainable company that uh, anyone would be proud to work for or, or stay in one of our properties. Wow, okay. Beautiful. So you mentioned, of course, qu being qualified is very important, <laughs> right? Um, but what's the best way, like when someone determines, they make the determination, okay, I've got my certification, I'm qualified, I'm sustainable, I understand their culture. What's the best way for um, these businesses to then connect with you or your mm -hmm. peers? Um, I would start first, there's so many avenues, of course. There's not one way that works always for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, 
there is always a like um, they can start registering into our external uh, website for okay. doing a business, being a potential supplier to us. Mm -hmm. But um, the more effective is when we have external outreach type of events, like events such as this, mm -hmm. and then they can connect directly and speak and uh, show the value and the unique proposition that they have. Um, they can always email as well, but it, it's, it comes at the end of the day, it comes to the point that um, whether the supplier has a strong uh, business, um, whether they share the values that are consistent with our values, uh, whether they can also communicate effectively what is their capabilities, mm -hmm. and also whether there are opportunities in the, in our organization for such type of business. Mm -hmm. So I would just say um, just use the opportunity when they come up. So there's not just one way to use that and be yourself. Like the, you just need to be really indigenous, like really just be themselves and um, come with what they can really offer to our organization that can help us in to innovate and facilitate uh, our journey to um, provide medicines, innovative medicines to our patients worldwide. Yeah. And just to, to piggyback off of that, I'd say, going back to my, my earlier point, the alphabet soup of organizations, WPEO, WeBank, uh, they're all hosting events that draw us professionally in. And so I hosted a roundtable with WPEO a couple months ago. I'll be at the WeBank National Conference, which is just going to be in Baltimore June 25th to the 27th, along with 350 other corporations who are wow. looking to do business with women-owned businesses. Uh, and so there are a plethora of opportunities at that event. There are roundtables. There are one-on-one -on -one matchmakers. There's a business fair uh, to connect with us. But there are also uh, business labs where you can learn how to better pitch your business on how to align your values, how to adapt your products to be more sustainable, how to manage risk. Uh, and so I would say online is great, but if there's ever an opportunity to get in front of us uh, in person, and these uh, in-person events that WPO and WeBank, for example, put on are, are great opportunities and probably the best way to build a relationship, which is really what you, you want to do. Okay. And so, Karen, as you reflect on the journey that you, the path that you took through your business, is there, like, what's, as you think about what the most unusual way that you perhaps connected with one of these corporations, can you share one well, of those stories? Well, it's funny that Casey said, um, talked about relationship, because that's one of the things that is most important for me in business, mm -hmm. and it is all about meeting people. So, for me, the funny story was that I actually met someone on the plane that was a large decision maker for a big corporation, and we just started to talk and get to know each other, and you know, it was uh, about two hours. And by the end of it, I gave him my card. As soon as I got in my car, I emailed him. Mm -hmm. um, when he got the email right away and wrote me back, and he said, I like how fast you contacted mm -hmm. me. And he said, why don't you come in next week? And about six weeks later, we won the account, and wow. it was a global account. Wow. And it, it just, I talk about it a lot, but it's a matter of putting yourself out there <coughs> and making relationships and talking to people because it's not magic. It's, it's really about doing the work, right. and that is, you know, connecting with people. Beautiful. And I want to get some more stories from you all. Some of the things that the best practices and the not so best practices. But I also want to start inviting folks in the studio. If you have a question, I invite you up to the mic um, to make your way as you all start at, an answering that question. What's a, oh, either a best practice or a worst practice that you've seen with a business trying to connect with you? 
Um, I typically focus on positive practices, <laughs> so, to, be, to be honest, uh, and wouldn't want to give all that, but, but situations happen, you know, yeah. we have so many interactions with different type of businesses. Um, I think it's important to, for the small and diverse businesses to know where to step back, when to step mm -hmm. back, when there are clearly no opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, within the area of services they provide. It's just the right time to uh, just have a stop and think. Uh, if the company doesn't have opportunity, there is no point to really push it through. It just has to be the right time. Okay. They can still continue the conversation, not very actively, like every week sending an emails and calling right. and finding uh -huh. different, you know, stakeholders within the company. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, it has to be like a considerate decision, really, where to step back. Okay. So I had some situations like that, but it's, I understand, you know, everyone is trying to find ways to get into the organization and right. be part of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are a lot more uh, positive stories. We have found like really great diverse uh, businesses, small and diverse businesses to engage in our supply chain. Um, we have like, um, I met uh, several years ago a really successful woman-owned business. Actually, it was in one of the WPO events here. And um, just a conversation, five minutes conversation, not a, during a business matchmaking. It's mm -hmm. just during, just in a hallway, talking right. about... Uh, nothing really, mm -hmm. like nothing business related, mm -hmm. just a small trinket that right. <laughs> was out there. It turned into a really good partnership. Wow. So we have really good stories, but nice. Nice. it is. And I would say, uh, I think a common mistake newly certified or people entering the space make is that they, they're so excited about their certification, that's, that's really great. Sometimes they'll lead with that. Mm -hmm. uh, you should do business with me because I'm a woman-owned mm -hmm. business or I'm a diverse-owned business. Mm -hmm. um, and while we want to create access for you to have the potential to do that and the opportunity to do that, you still need to earn the business on the merits. You still need to come in with a product that has a greater value or a lower cost mm -hmm. at the end of the day and aligns with what we need. Um, and so oftentimes we'll be at a trade show and someone will come up and say, I'm a woman-owned business and I'm at a conference with nothing but women-owned businesses. So, <laughs> that, you know, tell me. Funny meeting you here. Yeah. Uh, and so you want to use those opportunities right. to talk about the things that make you different. Right. So uh, the best thing I could advise you to do is really look around at who's doing similar things to you mm -hmm. in your space uh, and know what your differentiators are. What okay. makes you different? Because different is better than better. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you. First question. Well, thank you, first of all. And uh, clearly, the three of you are on the forefront trailblazers with this movement. In light of what's happening um, in our country with the Me Too movement, uh, with Time's Up, how and what would you say to business leaders who may have that unconscious bias and are not engaging with women this way? How would you help them to transform into the type of organizations that you are part of today? I mean, I, I, I can just answer simply that they're just missing out, honestly, is the women in our organization are unbelievable. And I think once people learn and see that, um, you, you can't, you just have to, you have to go forward and make sure that you're diverse. Yeah. I would say they're... There needs to be an openness to learn, um, but once there is, there are a lot of women-owned businesses who consult on this very topic and can help make that transformation happen. 
Yeah, um, I feel like my organization is ahead of the game, really. We even have unconscious bias training within our organization. So diversity and inclusion is really high profile. It's part of our sustainability agenda. And um, I think it's important to have a culture within an organization that is really open and see the value of women, value of diversity, value of diverse suppliers. Uh, and it's a continuous effort. Awesome. Thank you. Next question. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Heather Bruskin. I'm the executive director of the Montgomery County Food Council, and we facilitate uh, market linkages for our county's farms and food and beverage producers, and a uh, large percentage of which really reflect the amazing diversity of Montgomery County's population. I'm wondering if you have any specific strategies or suggestions about how these businesses can, uh, food and beverage businesses specifically, can connect to corporate sourcing opportunities, especially when they, along with uh, many other small businesses, may have volume or capacity challenges to really serve um, the needs of a large corporation? Um, thank you for the question, really good question. Uh, when it comes to uh, global businesses, large corporations, I can see where the challenge right. is going to be because typically the organizations such as mine, uh, mm-hmm. probably Marriott as well, um, there are many times we look for a supplier that can serve in a global scale or in a larger scale than the local suppliers can really support us. In those situations, what I would advise is to establish partnerships with our first tier suppliers. Mm-hmm. There are larger suppliers and be able to support us as a second tier suppliers. So there are opportunities, there are many opportunities in this space and in categories where um, at least in AstraZeneca there are no opportunities for small local businesses because they're just globally run, they're larger scale. We always uh, encourage and we encourage our local small businesses to also connect and we can facilitate that connection where the opportunities are uh, with our first tier suppliers and see if we can you know leverage that and then support our local small businesses in that space yeah I don't think um, particularly in the food and beverage space Marriott doesn't often procure globally uh, we want to keep the food as, as local as possible uh, and so there are often regional and local opportunities available and sometimes there are opportunities at an individual property depending on what the the product is um, and so I would encourage uh, similar, uh, there is a tiered relationship, and so it's unlikely that a supplier that you're discussing here might be able to contract directly with Marriott International, uh, but there's an ecosystem at play. There are distributors, and so uh, if you have a product that is ready to go in one of our bistros, for example, they might get placed directly with the distributor, or they might contract with a company that is buying the flour to make that product to then get in the bistro, and so really it's about doing the research and learning our business. Uh, in the food and beverage space, we rely on a company called Avendra to help manage the contracts in that space, and so uh, starting the research there, but I'm happy to be a resource and help uh, those folks in Montgomery County navigate our supply chain. we got time for one more question. Uh (laughs) Rock, paper, scissors. Who's it going to be? Sorry, Sorry, guys. It's not a question. This is I'm Mary Felig of the Felig Group, and I'm doing a shout-out. I've had the benefit of having both these companies as clients. Um, AstraZeneca has been a client for 10 years, and Marriott's been a uh, client for 20 years. And have all the things they say are true in terms of both of them have introduced me to uh, additional clients to be the tier two because we're a small business. Both of them, probably one of the uh, 
on it. We worked in terms of ways to publicize what our company does throughout their organization, and then also sold us up to um, hire um, to the to the, the parent organization. So there's just been, and I would say probably because these these have been so um, long organ, uh, relationships, I kind of got nudged to say. Are you a woman-owned business? And I was like, yeah. Um, but uh, and they came and saw and all that. But um, both Anna and Anna and um, Casey's one of Casey's colleagues, Denise Nagib, said, you know, but you re- you really need to do is go to WPEO and to the Women Business Enterprise, the WeBank organization, and you all I um, certified in January. I don't want to shout it out. But I think it, I've got another global client um, as of yesterday. So awesome. it's really spectacular and all the work and all the energy that's coming out. So um, anyway, they're passionate. They're helpful. One thing you didn't, but it, I do want to emphasize, it takes us to go in and find the value that we add. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes, and, and then once you're in there, and Casey, you've said this before, if I may say it, help you help us, mm-hmm. you know, is that we've got to figure that out. But they certainly have been resourceful. So awesome. Thank you, Thank Thank you, you both. for your service. Yeah. There you go. So you guys aren't just talking, <laughs> talking it up. We have evidence of what has transpired. So thank you all so much. Thanks again for tuning in to the Boost Podcast. I hope what you heard today will help you to build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to share the podcast with your family and your friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. For more information on me or any of the other services that we provide, feel free to head over to our website, kellytleonard.com. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode of the Boost Podcast. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.